0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Wrap Diamond podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz. I'm hosting today's show together with Joshua Friedman. Hi Joshua. Hi Avi, good to be here again. Good to be here with you and welcome back from India. You just got back yesterday. Thanks and that's true, that's true, yes. What were you doing in India? Well, that's a
1: good question. I went to the IIJS Signature Show which is a jewellery trade show mainly based around the, the domestic Indian jewellery and particularly gold market.
0: I look forward to hearing a bit more about the Indian market later in the program. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, understand that it's a it's there's a strong focus on local design at the IAJS signature.
1: Yeah, and I saw a lot of those local designs. A lot of people who are selling their often quite lavish gold wedding jewelry for the uh, for the domestic market. Right,
0: so it's a different um, side of the market that uh, mm. I look forward to hearing about. Yeah. But in terms of the diamond trade, we, we did our last podcast um, in early January, I think, and. There was a very different feel to the market Mm. between now and a month ago. Um, It moved so quickly. Mm. Back in January, we were talking about a a kind of a mini recovery in the diamond trade. And that was largely driven by by positive sentiment that we were getting out of China. Mm. And now um, with the outbreak of the coronavirus in China, Mm. um, there's obviously a very different feel and outlook to the market there.
1: Sure, I mean, I think across the trade really we saw uh, much more positivity in in January. The holiday season in the US was also decent. People were were buying again for stock, uh, in January, Um and that's really fallen off a cliff since late January early, early February
0: yeah I don't know if it's fallen off a cliff because I think there still uh, seems to be some stability in, um, in firstly in the U.S. market mm. I would imagine but uh, it seems to me uh, and we've had these internal discussions that the effect on the diamond trade of the economic impact that the virus outbreak is is having on um on the global economy and the diamond trade mm. itself, um, is more about the concern that um, mm. that people have. Um, it, it's a bit of an unknown on mm. what the long term play is. Mm.
1: It is, but it's, there's also the factor that because of that positivity, diamond companies bought quite a lot of inventory in in January, and now they don't. They, they find that they haven't really got any, anywhere to sell it to. I mean, at least the, the major market is then is not there to be buying their their diamonds. Uh, obviously, China is almost on. Pretty much parts of China are pretty much in shutdown at the moment. Hong Kong's also essentially shut down because of um, concerns about the spread of the the virus. Um, And Hong Kong has always been a very important market, particularly for the Indian diamond trade. They tend to buy outright in cash, which means it's an important cash market Mm. for the the Indian diamond trade, a way that they can basically liquidate their diamonds, turn their diamonds into money um, very quickly. Uh, That's there's a, there's a lot of concern that inventory will diamonds will start sitting around with, with nowhere to go.
0: Already the, the Indian trade body, the the German jewelry Export Promotion Council, yes. um, sort of lobbied the, the banks in India and, mm. and governments to mm. give them some leeway on mm. repaying their loans yes. um, bec- yes. because they're expecting some delay in payments from right. their Chinese um, customers.
1: Right. A lot of whom are, are not working at the moment or they're, they're working on a much lower capacity than normal.
0: Right. I mean, let's put a bit of order to uh, the whole crisis. And if we look at the different segments, first from a retail point of view and from a Chinese and Hong Kong retail point of view, the outbreak couldn't have happened at a worse time. Right. Um, It was, what, a week before the Chinese New Year or during that Chinese New Year week that it first aired?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, we were discussing before that many sales ahead of the Chinese New Year would have taken place. Uh, but the chinese year itself is a very important time for people to go out to to spend some money um, to particularly to go travelling to, to basically become uh, Ch- chinese are a very very important sort of luxury retail
0: tourists especially and, uh, in in hong kong in particular
1: this whole situation will obviously affect all retail markets from america to europe right, to the, the particularly middle
0: east particularly the the higher luxury brands such as manolvia um, mage cartier Tiffany and Co. in New York has uh, has a long, uh, a big tourist aspect to their sales. If you were a diamond trader, what would
1: what would be concerning you the most at
0: the moment, with regards to the coronavirus yeah, or yeah. other <laughs> other factors? And there's been, no shortage of such, other things. It's been such a difficult year in in 2019, but uh, this is a new challenge. And um, and the uh, what we've seen, what we've seen in the last number of years is that um, from from my from my point of view. Um, the, the, the U.S. market is the, the st- stabilizing factor for the diamond industry. Mm. And so when we've had good years or bad years, they've tended to be influenced by what's happening in China and possibly India, but I, I think more on the, ch- on the Chinese consumer consumer side. And so I would be concerned about how long the Chinese um, diamond buyer, essentially the, the jeweler, is going to be stuck with um, with their inventory. Mm. It appears that they um, there was decent buying in the diamond market from from Chinese um, jewelers um, as they stocked up for the Chinese New Year, um, and their stores have now been closed for a month, and and we we don't quite yet see a, um, a an end in sight. So it seems to me that they're sitting with a lot of inventory in their mm-hmm. stores. Mm-hmm and so we don't quite know when they're going to be back in the market mm, mm. and so as a diamond um supplier that's what i would be concerned about
1: yeah and that hong kong retail market has really just had one crisis after another hasn't it Abby?
0: yeah well i mean when we look at the hong kong show mm. which you were planning to attend yeah. um was supposed to happen in the beginning of march they've postponed it now to to mid may i think it was around the 18th of may yeah um but uh when we look back at the last two or three years, how often these shows have been affected by um, external factors that no one's got any control over. I was in Hong Kong for the September show, um, I think it was a year or two ago, where there was a typhoon and the show shut down for a day or two. You know, and then last year was the, was the protests. And now this epidemic is mm. is having a, an, an impact on their on their business, and it's mm. just been one thing after the other.
1: And it's probably the uh, of all of these factors. It's probably the most intense, at least in the short term. The protests were were significant, but uh, it was still possible to do business in Hong Kong, right, right. just with some restrictions. Mm. But this has really sh- shut a lot of things down. It
0: has been the most intense for the for the local market, and. There's still some uncertainty as to how this is going to affect the diamond market, and the implications could be quite wide, um, extending also to the United States.
1: I think one of the, one of the potentially biggest um, impacts of this, I don't know if you agree, Avi, is uh, ag- again Chinese tourists are very important in supporting luxury retail sales in the U.S. We see this from particularly from Tiffany that their performance, their their, their financial success is often um, largely influenced by and the extent to which Chinese tourists are spending. And last year we saw a big decrease in that because of the the trade war that left fewer dollars in the pockets of Chinese tourists because the the Chinese yuan currency became weaker. My rough estimate would be that this is going to be an even more significant impact.
0: As you mentioned earlier, the the, um, the there's no there's no travel uh, over a busy travel period for Chinese tourists. So I would agree with you that on the on the luxury brands, their their sales would take a hit from the lack of Chinese tourists buying. Um, but also in terms of um, sourcing from China, mm. the United States is an importer of um, yeah. of finished jewelry, um, mm. primarily um, less so loose diamonds, parts and,
1: and accessories as well. The boxes that you that you sell your jewelry in, a lot of that is likely to come from from places like China. Um, it's it will have a yes, quite quite a significant impact across the supply chain.
0: Well, it's been a, a conversation that retailers in the United States have been having for the last year. We visited this issue when it was announced that jewelry items would be included in a, in a tariff hike. Um, on uh, imports to the United States from, from China. And so various retailers were saying that they would have to look at different options um, for sourcing their goods. Signet was was, yeah. was, the, was the most significant of them.
1: Yeah, and this gives them yet another reason to do that. But... Uh
0: yeah, yeah. I I, w- I wonder uh, if that was implemented. Um, that's something we would need to yeah. need to ask um, yeah. various retailers, including mm. including mm. It would be interesting mm. to do an update on mm. on that if they did actually reduce their mm. um, their buying from the Chinese um, mm. uh, um, man- jewelry manufacturer and, yeah. and wholesale market.
1: I was actually speaking to someone at the show in India who um, an Indian jeweler who um, has quite a big business exporting to retailers in in the Middle East. And, and there he says a, a large percentage of, their, of his clients' retail sales are to Chinese tourists, mm. and that's going to collapse.
0: Yeah, well, it's every market. Um, mm. You know, it's not mm. just, uh, you know, Tiffany is strong in New York, but Cartier and LVMH and the other European luxury brands, they rely on uh, tourist spending I- at the European locations. We, we haven't heard much from the companies um, indicating mm. what they expect. I guess we'll have to wait till til the next earnings season. Which I don't think is too far away. That'll give us our, our best indicator, I think. So yeah, the the sentiment has changed, and the outlook for the year has has been dimmed. I think, as I said, it, uh, I think it's more about um, the uncertainty and the and the the concern that that it brings. We haven't really seen a big movement in sort of diamond pricing or a dramatic drop in, um, in, in trading. You know, while, the, while the Hong Kong show has been postponed, other events have continued. Yeah, so you, you spent a little bit more time than I did at
1: the uh, International Diamond Week in Israel last, uh, last week. What,
0: how were how people feeling there, Avi? Firstly, I think it was an important event for the local market because it kind of lifted everyone's spirits. You know, it, it's difficult to call it a show because it's not a jewelry fair it's on the trading floor in the in in the israel diamond exchange and what it does is it brings a crowd um everyone comes from their offices and and congregates on the on the trading floor which is in itself has a positive effect on on the mood and people are talking to each other and they're seeing their goods Mm. you know so so there was a good atmosphere i felt at Mm. the at the show they um The exchange did a a great job, I think, in putting together a program and the layout of the events. It it, it was tarnished a bit that the the Chinese delegation had to cancel. There there were two, I think, two delegations from China and from Hong Kong, Macau, um, that that couldn't come. Um, But again, it was was more of a local event and, and people did a bit of business. These um, diamond weeks, as they put them, the you know the different bourses have them um, at different times of the year. Um, in Israel, in New York, in uh, in India, in Antwerp as well. They're kind of a, a throwback to the old days of how the diamond trade used to operate. Yeah. You know, a lot of
1: people in India actually were saying that for loose diamonds, the importance of trade shows is really declining. And um, so much can be sold online um, on WhatsApp. Jewelry, it's still more important because you, you can come to a show and you can get a feel of the designs and the the look and feel of, of jewelry. But I think this is something that certainly you've been writing about Abby, for yeah, the last I few mean, years. Yeah, I mean, I, so. ta-
0: I was talking to one of, the, there were actually a few, um, in, interestingly, a, a number of Indian buyers at the Diamond Week in Israel. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to one of them. We were saying that at the big shows, the loose diamond section is actually more about Showcasing the service that you provide, yeah. and that's sort of evolved to being a technology play. Yeah. When I walk the corridors of the different shows, the Indian and Israeli uh, suppliers of loose diamonds are calling me not to see their goods, yeah. and they're saying, "Come look at my platform. Look what we've done with our imaging technology, um, etc." And and I guess that's what the what what your average jeweler is looking for in a diamond supplier. It's about the service that they can provide. Um, today, with the online platforms that you have, everyone has access to the same diamonds. As it, essentially, it seems.
1: Yeah, and there's also the branding sense. Your company brand has to be seen, particularly if your competitors are there. Uh,
0: right, right. Yeah. So, so, so you see th- um, them showcasing their mm. their technology and how their their systems can help the retailer um, source their mm. diamonds in a more efficient way. Mm and also i think uh, in a in a, in an ethical way as well that, that seems at the shows today that that's a point that um, suppliers are making
1: mm-hmm. yeah so going back to the the israel week you hosted a panel Avi.
0: right so so and it was on this issue of uh, ethical sourcing really that um the the exchange put together a nice little program of an event in the evening after trading closed. So the mm. first day, Martin Rapport spoke, gave his state of the industry address, and uh, in the second day, I uh, I was very um, happy and and honoured to to host a panel on um, on traceability and source verification across mm. the diamond supply chain. Mm. We had a very interesting and esteemed um, group of uh, people who who participated in it. Um, uh, Ernie Blom, the President of the World Federation of Diamond Bourses, was on the panel, the CEO of Sarin, representatives from El Rosa, from the Israel Diamond Controller, Mm -hmm. gave a um, Mm -hmm. perspective of the regulators on how they approach this Mm -hmm. issue, and a representative from the manufacturing sector as Mm -hmm. well, Emmanuel Namdar, Mm -hmm. who has a factory in in Namibia, and the whole... Mm -hmm whole idea of it was to explore the benefits and the challenges that um, offering this traceability has to different f- sectors along the diamond pipeline. Mm. And w- what it, what it did show is that um, there, there are various options, I think, um, on how to approach the, the, the whole traceability issue.
1: There are also quite a few challenges there, no?
0: Yeah, th- I think pr- probably m- most telling for me the, the most um insightful um thing about the panel um came afterwards where a number of members of the audience came up to me and sp- um who were just you know small dealers uh, uh, who uh who really expressed their concern about um whether the whether it's uh, you know this whole trend towards being able to disclose where the rough diamond came from along and then tracing that along the pipeline is going to exclude the smaller dealer who's really dealing in, not dealing in rough. They, you know, diamond changes hands so many times um, as on its journey to the, to the retail store that um, they're dealing with goods in the secondary market and goods that um, a good are buying and selling as polished and also recycled goods, goods that have, um, that have come back to the market as uh, you know they, they were you know recycled from the consumer back to the yeah, market. how, how do we deal with that? So it's so that so that is a challenge. So a number of the 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 programs, the traceability programs that um that are are, are kind of focused on on tracing the diamond from the rough um to the polished and and forward, and so it seems that. Th- the existing polished on the market would have to be approached on sort of a, a, a re- giving them a rebirth, yeah. I guess. A um, grandfather yeah. cause. Right. So it's, it's almost like an assumption that, that they're clean and ethically sourced diamonds, um, and, but we start tracing them from the point that they come back to right. the market. which is the best you can do. Yeah. I, I think those service providers who are working on the traceability issue um that's that that's an area that they need really need to focus on and ernie blom who repre- who represents the bourses and the me- the Bursa members ac- around the world he he made the point quite strongly that um the wfdb the world federation um supports this um this uh, movement to to um, towards traceability, mm. and um, but he really but he but it needs to be inclusive, it, mm. it can't exclude right. the the small dealer who right. he represents right. and who yeah. are
1: also working on quite tight margins,
0: yeah. So so, or, and so, so, that's have, that, that yeah. was an that the, that's the other you know, the other challenge that comes up mm. for the industry is this going to add mm. to the cost? Is um, I mean, it, inevitably it will,
1: but uh, I guess, um, yeah,
0: well, it, depe- it depends how you approach it. I think, um, you know, uh, Emmanuel. Uh, Namdar is um he's a, a site holder in Namibia mm. um his factory uh called uh, now called on, he's a partner in Andre Masika diamonds Namibia which um, is a wonderful factory and uh, I, I've got to um give a shout out I guess because um they they employ predominantly um dis, uh, disabled workers um most of their most of their um, employees are are hearing impaired or and and I think they have eight um, eight um, polishers um who are in wheelchairs and uh, it's a, it really is a very di- good nice diamonds do good story but anyway uh, I digress, um but they um they're buying unaggregated goods from De Beers in Namibia, which means that the 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 goods their supply hasn't been mixed together with um with uh um with other De Beers goods from Botswana or South Africa or or Canada and so on the invoice it says that the diamonds are um are from Namibia and so that immediately um from the source gives them that um that country of origin story um and so and so and then they plug it then they then then they're working with the with the Sarin system as they go along anyway um, and so there is a there is a, a relatively low cost plugin mm. um, to add that traceability yeah. through the through yeah. the, the the manufacturing process.
1: And talking of uh, the diamonds doing good stories, um, there was a um, en- interesting um, uh, documentary that came out recently uh, that uh, did quite a lot of rounds in the uh, social media and made it onto our website. What was that all about?
0: Yes so it's not the the story isn't really just about um traceability and and uh, country of origin and source verification it's about it's about um being able to tell the positive story that is unfolding in the diamond industry mm-hmm. and the good that the industry um contributes to to society um and uh, and and that was highlighted beautifully in the last um in the last few weeks um where um, Livia Firth, who is the wife of the actor Colin Firth, um, has a has a, a blog called Fashionscapes, which um, highlights sustainability issues um, in the fashion industry. And um, well, it's not a blog; it's a it's a series of mini documentaries. And um, this, I think, this is the third one that she's done. Um, where she highlighted um, the diamond industry in Botswana and the, c- and the contribution that um, diamonds has made to the to the country, to individuals in the country, um, and the society in general. And the, the beauty of it was that, to my knowledge, it wasn't um, funded by anyone in the industry. As often, um, you know, these uh, these these um stories can can be um it was just an independent um journalist who went into Botswana and wanted to tell a tell a positive story um that we know um is uh you know has been the the story of the the diamond industry in Botswana. and so these sustainability issues are are, are gaining traction and I think we need to put those stories out there. Um, you 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 met um, in in India this uh, this last week with uh, with Star Rays who's doing some interesting work.
1: Yeah, I met with um, with Star Rays. They're a, um, a diamond manufacturer based in Mumbai. They've got a factory in Surat, the city in um, in in India. That's uh, um, a big uh, the, the biggest uh, city for diamond manufacturing, um, and uh, they plan to go carbon neutral, which means they plan to have no uh, net um uh contribution of carbon emissions to the atmosphere um they are not the only diamond company that are looking are looking uh, looking into this there's a um a, an organization called Carbon Expert which uh, advises companies on how to achieve things like this how to become carbon neutral and um, they told me that they're working they're currently advising twelve uh, diamond companies diamond manufacturers um uh, one of them being a, a site holder in Canada. Um, and starrays a um also a site holder a the Beers client and um, um in in india uh they have outlined a few interesting uh plans how they're gonna do this and they want to um do um uh, potentially um use renewable energy but they admitted that this is gonna, that would be quite difficult to implement um but also keep control of um, how much energy they're using, making sure people are turning their lights off, turning their computer off, um, not not printing unnecessarily, not using reusable plastic, and all these things that increase one's carbon footprint, um, uh, and also watching how its employ their employees are are getting to work, how they're commuting, and making sure they're getting a bus and not hmm. all individually driving. Um, now, the, um, uh, the 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 challenge, what possibly the biggest challenge in all of this and i I don't believe that they're um that rays are um are targeting this at the moment but uh it's it's even harder to control um the the diamond foot the, the the carbon footprint of your of your supply chain um and that's that's where it gets very complicated um how much how much does this rough diamond contribute to global warming right. how right. much uh how much does um uh all the shipping all the uh all, all the various things that go on in order to um in order to bring various raw materials and other suppliers into into the company, mm. um, how how does that um, how much does that impact the environment? And I think that's something that um, inevitably the diamond industry will start looking at um, in the coming years, particularly given how important this is to many millennial consumers.
0: Mm. Well, w- we know that um, De Beers is doing some work on uh, to to um, to make the, I forget which mine it is, it is the, the Gacha yeah, Um to yeah. be the first um, carbon neutral diamond mine.
1: Yeah, they're testing it at that mine in, in Canada. Right. Um, yeah. And I think they have plans to test it out in Botswana as well, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's actually a very innovative in an innovative way that they're doing it through um, uh, seeing whether you can store carbon inside kimberlite, which us. is the, right, the rock right. that you yeah. get diamonds from. Um. Star rays don't have any diamond mines to do that with, but uh, the w- the way I mean the the, the general the, although this whole thing is is quite controversial. The, the standard way of 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 in, of ensuring a, a you know, zero impact is um is carbon offsets, which is buying investments in um in mm. in things like growing trees and other oh, right. things that have a positive right. impact on okay. the environment.
0: All right. Well, I guess um uh, you know it's uh, th- there's a macro and a micro um level that one can approach this mm. and and um as an employer um it sounds like they're they're having an influence even on their on their employees yeah. um and uh, i guess it's a it's a it's a lesson for all of us we we should um mm. take more public transport and not fly business joshua <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> i was just referencing my uh my uh, my surprising uh, free upgrade to economy premium that i got on the way back from india and i expect never to get again but uh
0: well you n- you never know, but I uh, expect you re- you to refuse it next time given the the well, p- given the carbon emission I thought of that that
1: fuel was going to be used whatever happens true so uh true. the uh it's, it's a s- an, in in a, in a, the the option is either an empty seat well there's three options there's an empty seat there's me in the seat or there's someone else in the seat, and all of those things have the same carbon footprint.
0: So uh fair enough. And if those are the options, but y- you'll take you in the seat, right? Yep. And, um uh, if ever we fly together and it's you in the seat, <laughs> I would appreciate um the upgrade myself well, given I've I, I've yes. uh Well you're thirty uh, percent l- taller than me. Exactly. One thing. I need yes. the I need the leg room. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway, so so I'm excited to hear about your 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 um trip to India. Um besides your 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 mm. travel comforts. What's the mood like in in India at the moment, given all that's going on? India is such an important um, diamond market. Given mm. that, what's the percentage? Um, not over ninety yeah. percent of all diamonds are manufactured yeah. in India. Yeah. Um. So the the mood is quite mixed. I would
1: say in the in the diamond industry, I I, I managed to meet with a few diamond traders there and manufacturers, and and they um they, they a lot of the problems that have been there for the last year or so or more um are still there. Uh, tight liquidity. And very tight uh, profit margins when you manufacture rough into polished, um, uh, and possibly most importantly is that the, the um, a, a significant decrease in the amount of bank credit that diamond companies are getting from from banks in India. Right. Um, and all these things leave company leave companies as very tight ships. Um, they um, they have very very little cash, you know, very very challenging cash flow situation, um, and um, the. Uh, that credit situation doesn't seem to be improving much and there's not mm-hmm. much outlook for that. And um, on, on the plus side, there are a few alternative sources of finance that people mentioned to me. Um, but uh, wh- one of the, one of the biggest um, challenges in a, in a difficult market like we've had in the last year is how to um, reduce your production um, without your polished production without laying workers off. And, um, there's a very strong culture of loyalty to workers in india yeah and the companies don't like laying workers workers off if they can avoid it Mm. um and i asked a few um a few people why don't you just pay them to stay at home Um, isn't that better than buying unprofitable rough um and uh the answer was very firmly that's not really a viable option um but what a lot of them are doing um in fact is by is is polishing more lab-grown diamonds and um, and there's been a huge increase um in the you know every month we're seeing an increase of maybe in the range of 90% year on year increase mm. in um are, are in they
0: are they shifting to lab grown because there's a demand for it or or because they because it's a cheaper way to keep their, their workers busy
1: i think it's i think it's a bit of both it's um it's uh growing demand in in the us for lab grown diamonds it's um a way of keeping workers busy it's also better profit margins Mm. um very little investment um uh, the cost of buying natural rough is obviously very high um and uh buying buying lab grown rough is 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 much cheaper um less of a feeling that if i mess this diamond up i've lost lots of money Um, right right. uh, it's a good way to train a cat yeah but uh no one person was explaining that that that, that, the, the big question of yield yield which is always a Always a big issue in the diamond industry. You want to maximise your yield on the rough. Mm. It's less of an issue in lab grown because the the rough that you're losing is just not that valuable, right? Um, relative okay. to the relative to natural rough, okay. Um, okay. and we are seeing, as I say, a huge increase in India's exports of polished, yeah. uh, polished na- uh, lab grown polished diamonds every uh, every month.
0: And we, we've seen it in our reporting mm. as well that there's mm. been an increase in uh, in manufacturers who are moving into this. Um, in lab growing yeah, right. yeah and, it's and it's
1: it's big it's big companies it's the beer site holders yeah uh, yeah it's you know there's probably a good i think we've mentioned this in a previous podcast a good five or ten mm. uh De beers customers that are and um, big names that are, that are exploring this um on on the positive side um i um there's a there's still strong gold demand in, in india D- india is a, is a very important gold market and um, for main, mainly two reasons there's a strong wedding tradition there um, uh, people buy lots of wedding jewellery uh, the, the entire family not only the bride but the entire family will, will wear new jewellery for a wedding um, and they'll spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it um, uh, although there's been a slight decrease in their budgets because of uh, you know, a weak economy there yeah. um, uh, people are still buying gold and they also see it as a very strong investment and, and uh, a lot of people there were explaining that if at any time of the day or night you just want some cash and you've got yeah. gold, you can turn that into cash in a minute.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, so there's there's a there's a degree of positivity mm. in the market mainly because of that in domestic the, uh, in the jewelry.
0: In, uh, the IIJS show that you that you mm. went to is pr- is mainly it's more of a gold gold jewelry show. That's yeah, where you see yeah. the traffic. That's yeah. where the
1: and then what you see everywhere in the booths there is um is. Uh, and quite uh, quite um uh upmarket, ju- uh, we- wedding wedding jewelry, bri- bridal mm-hmm. necklaces. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the main thing that people are displaying. Yeah,
0: very localized um yeah. design and and um traditional yeah traditional design yeah. for that wedding market. Yeah. But or with th- a lot of diamonds, with a lot of diamonds, and I, I, and w- one thing I've noticed and and um, read about mm. um in, in the last uh, year or two or, or, or more is has been the westernization of mm. um. Of uh mm. of the Indian millennial um mm. that they're um they're shifting their taste to more sort mm. of um westernized right. um design
1: yeah well
0: t- tiffany um just
1: uh opened their first store in India very recently um and um they 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 almost have the market to themselves, and that there's there's some strong Indian brands, people like Tanishq, which is maybe a a bit more middle a bit a bit more maybe mid to upper market right, um, right. which is a, a titan company uh, brand and yeah. then there's a few up market uh, domestic brands mm. um but there's not much in the way of western brands that people would be proud to wear if they went to they went to visit new york and they want to show off their um uh their branded jewelry right. you you don't um, you don't see
0: an LVMH store no. in um, in new delhi or or, no. or, or, uh, or, or mumbai no, yeah
1: um and uh forever mark are there and and are doing big you know they're, they're doing a lot in india mm. um, and so for that matter of the, the dpa um but um, the diamond producers association um, but uh, there's a feeling that 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 uh, tiffany of tiffany made a very wise move right. in, in opening yeah. there and uh wouldn't surprise me if we see the likes of cartier and uh, bulgari doing the same thing well
0: it'll be interesting to see their product offering at, at right. tiffany Um forever mark we know has um has has a, a different offering to in India to i think India's the their, their biggest market Forevermark, or, or their fastest growing market i would, I would I'm think i'm pretty sure it's a
1: fastest growing
0: yeah um but there there is a different product offering um to what you would find in a forevermark store in in the in the U, in the US um but i think that's true of every market they're in. They're, they're quite culturally sensitive in that sense that um uh, also in the Chinese market, there will be a, a, a different product offering, but Tiffany is a bit of a different animal, I think, and it would be interesting to see their approach.
1: Um, the, there was a, a big poster up, an advert at the um, um, Mark ad, uh, where the, the slogan was, we're quite modern and quite traditional, just like you. So I think they, they uh-huh. see that the Indians want this, um, the Indian consumer wants this fusion of, uh, right. of, uh. of, what, of what they're brought up with and, and also something a little bit more modern. mm
0: I think we're seeing that also in the DPA's approach in uh to to marketing and advertising in in India
1: and also that this also reflects a lot of interesting social changes in in India the the shift from the 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 greater family to the nuclear family and 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 uh all, all these, these you know, which obviously is is intrinsically related to to diamonds which is a mm. a love related uh purchase yeah, there's there's definitely some important changes going on there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's um certainly interesting times uh, that we're living through at yeah. the moment. Um yeah. I think um I think the next uh the, the next few weeks and the, well the first quarter is always such an important um uh, period to for setting the tone in the industry. Mm. And um and so there is this, there is a certain tone that we've mm. um, we've spoken about that
1: that said that we, in the last few years the the big the big crises seem to have happened in the middle of the year and of uh, whether it was the protest in hong kong or the, the the trade war escalation 2 years ago um
0: true but uh, the, but the 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 first quarter is is the 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 period where 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 jewelers in the united states and in in china are restocking replacing um goods that they would have sold during their their holiday seasons and so So we we saw a bit of that in in January, February, uh, or in January primarily, and uh, um, there's a bit of a a mixed feeling in the market, I think, and uh, it really is um, uh, dependent on external factors at this time.
1: And uh, very soon we've got the the, the February De Beers site, which is always uh, an interesting indicator of what's going on in the market. It shows us the basic core demand for diamonds um and January as we said was quite a strong strong month and i I'm very interested to see what the numbers are going to be for february
0: yeah yeah well to um we we shall see as the as the cliche goes and yep. um and we uh will obviously be be keeping a close eye on um those that that and other stories in um as in our coverage on on diamonds dot net and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting market, um, yeah. so uh, we'll, we'll see how it all evolves. Anyway, thank you so much, Joshua, for an interesting um, report and uh, interesting discussion. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we shall see you next time. I think um, we already. Thanks for listening, everyone.